Amen. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. So as we continue going through the Word, as we continue now in the book of Matthew, we are here in chapter 4. And as we are in chapter 4, I want you to know this, that, that uh, God is just doing an amazing work here as He is calling His disciples, as uh, His apostles, as He's beginning the ministry. And as a reminder, when we look at the Gospel of Matthew, as we see what Matthew is trying to give us, we know that Matthew wanted to make sure that the Jews knew that Jesus was in fact the King of the Jews. And so he wrote this in a manner that they would see that, right? He wrote this in a manner that, that they would understand that. And as he began the gospel, he began with the royal lineage that points back to King David so that they would know that, you know what, he in fact is of that lineage, that he in fact has the right to be called the king. And we know that he gave all these prophecies to also show them that he fulfilled these prophecies and everything that was spoken of him so that they can realize that he in fact was the Messiah as well as their king. We also know that he sent the Magi in, which are the wise men, right, to acknowledge the fact that the king had arrived. And then we also know that he used John the Baptist to, to announce the arrival of the king. You know, he was there to herald, to announce that, that the king had arrived. And, and as we saw a couple of weeks ago, we saw that he was truly fit to be king as he overcame the temptation by Satan. And then as we look at today, we're going to see how the king begins his ministry as well as how he chooses his administration. And we'll go into detail when it comes to the choosing of his administration. And so as we left off on the temptation of, of Jesus, the testing of Jesus that was given to him back a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the 13 points on temptation and, and as far as what to expect and, and how to overcome them. And so now we get into his actual work, into his ministry. And so with that, let's go ahead and read. We're going to read beginning in verse 12 and we're going to go all the way to the end of chapter 4 and, and that's what we're going to expound on today. That's what we're going to teach on. So beginning in verse 12, it goes or begins like this. It says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom, of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So as you see here, as we finish chapter 4, you see the fact that the ministry is in full swing and you have the fact that he chooses, you know, these apostles. We have the account of just four of the apostles here for us to look at. And so as we begin here in verse 12, it, it's, it talks about the fact that the ministry of Jesus here, when John begins it, he begins it after or during the time that John is in prison. For many of us, as we look at this, right, some of us, as we think about this, we're, you know, it's just, you know, it doesn't make sense to us, right? Because we know that, that Jesus began his ministry before John was put in prison, right? And so, as we're thinking about this, right, we, that is true, that is, that is accurate. And so if we actually, when we look at this, right, when we, when we look at the account of, of Matthew as, as he's talking about the ministry of Jesus, we can actually look at the gospel of John to actually see what took place bef- before actually here in verse 12. What we have here is between 11 and 12, there's a gap. Okay, I want you to know that there's a gap there. And Matthew is not giving us a chronological order of it, but he's just beginning to tell us of the ministry of Jesus during the time of John the Baptist. And so if we wanted to see what actually took place during this time, we can actually go to John. And John beginning in chapter 1 all the way through chapter 4. You can see what happened after here, after uh, Matthew chapter uh, 4 verse 11. You can read through these four chapters and see the, the exact things that were happening. All the things that were happening with Jesus. And so when we get to verse 12, we have here now just the beginning of, of Matthew's gospel. The beginning of this account. And I want you to know this because see as we... As we read it, right, I don't want you to be confused or to think that there's an error here. If we look at John chapter 3 beginning in verse 23, it tells us there that now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized for John had not yet been thrown in prison. So you see here in John chapter 3 where, where it's told to us that John had not gone to prison yet. And then in John chapter 4 and verse 3, it tells us that, John, uh, that Jesus actually leaves Judea 
and he departs to Galilee. And that's exactly where we're at now here in verse 12. For those of you that don't know, and I want to give you this insight as to why John was actually in prison. We're talking about John the Baptist. Matthew 14, later on he tells us as to why. Actually, it, it comes from Jesus. And, and it says here in verse 3, it says, For Herod, for Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. So what John the Baptist actually did to get him thrown into prison is, is the fact that he openly rebuked, he openly shared with everyone that, you know what, that it wasn't right that Herod would actually marry his brother's wife. And so that made Herod furious as well as his wife. And so because of that, he was thrown into prison. And so as we see this, this is, this is the insight that I wanted to give you so that you had a better understanding as to what was taking place. And so now let's go into verse 13. And here we're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus, which is, as Dan had shared with you, we're, we're here to talk about the ministry of Jesus as well as the ministers that He chose. Okay, so beginning here in verse 13, we have what it says. It says, And leaving Nazareth, He came and dwelt, in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the, sea of the, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of, day, of death, light has done. Okay, so we have here, right, as we're going through the gospel, we have here just the beginning of the ministry, right, or, or the beginning point where Matthew gives us. And so as we see this, right, we've been talking, or Matthew has actually given us the, the birth of Jesus. He's given us the baptism of Jesus. He's given us the, the testing or the temptation of Jesus. And now he gives us the ministry of Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about the ministry. What is ministry? Okay, let's go into the basics. Let's go into the foundation of ministry. Okay, what is ministry? Ministry is, is, is basically the service that we give unto the Lord as we serve one another. Okay, so that's what it is, right? It is really just the, the service that we give unto the Lord as we serve one another. And so, the minister is actually the one who serves, and the ministry is basically the service that we give. Okay, so this is what, what we have here, right? This is what, what, Jesus, what, what Jesus is doing here, right? He, he's basically giving His service unto others. And so, every one of us, I want you to know this, is that every one of us, as we surrender our hearts to Jesus Christ, we are called to serve one another. So immediately when you surrender your hearts to Jesus Christ, you are called to serve one another. And as we see this, right, we see that, that Jesus was the perfect example of this, right? And as he says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, from his own mouth, he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
a ransom for many. See, the Christian life, I want you to understand, is, is to serve one another. If we are a follower of Christ, you have been called to serve. And we are to imitate the Lord, our Master, right, as to serving one another, just like He shared, right? He said He didn't come to be served, but to serve. See, when we come to church, it's not about us being served. It's about serving one another. When you're out there, you know, in the workplaces or when you're out there, right, you're still, you're still a Christian just because you're at work or, or you're outside of work or outside of your home or in your home. Just because you're, you're, you're out there not at church doesn't mean that you're not a Christian outside of church. See, every single one of us are called to serve one another. See, and when we think about this, right, when we think about serving one another, we have the perfect example of God who came in the flesh. And this is what He came to do. He came to serve you. And we are to follow His example. When we look at the account of Matthew, right, Matthew begins at a certain point. He begins to share with us when Jesus began, or His account of, of the ministry, and so when we look at this, right, I want to talk about a couple of points when it comes to serving Jesus or, to, or when it comes to serving God. The first point that I want to talk to you about is, is the fact that God has His divine timing. Okay? God has His perfect timing. God has divine timing when it comes to serving. And that's what we have here, right? We have the fact that, that you know, when, when, uh, that Matthew tells us that when John was in prison that Jesus departed to Galilee, right? He had left Nazareth and, and, he, and he went to serve. And we read the fact that, that he began to preach and, and he began to teach and he began to heal and, and he was preaching to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, there are many times that, that when we look at God's divine timing of our service, right? Immediately when you... Surrender your hearts to the Lord. You were called to serve one another. But there's certain ministries that He gives, right? There's certain callings that He has upon us. And I know that sometimes we get very worked up when it comes to what are we supposed to do for God. Many of us, right, as we surrender our hearts to God, it begins to dawn, it begins to be planted in our hearts that, you know what, that I want to do more for God, right? Because you realize that He saved you. You realize that, that, that you know what, He took you from the, from, from, the, from the pit of hell and, and He's given you a new life. And so you want to do more for Him and you want to begin to serve God. And, and so many of us, you know what, get worked up as to thinking, you know what, what am I supposed to do for God? Many times you'll have maybe some pastors or you'll have some leaders or, or you'll have people that'll put you in, maybe in, in some ministries that maybe you weren't called to do. Or maybe you yourself get so anxious to serve the Lord that you begin to do things that that maybe you're not called to do. And so, you know, when this happens, right, you know what, it's, it, it, I know that, that many times we can make mistakes, and, and when these mistakes are made, made, it's okay, you know what, don't get so worked up, just, you know what, just begin to, to do what God has called you to do. God has His perfect timing in all of this. You know, I remember when I first came to the Lord, you know, when I surrendered my, myself to, to the Lord, Immediately what I began to do, and this I believe as I look back at my life, was really God's calling upon my life for that season. 
I remember when I got saved, I, I began to share with people just what God had done in me. The fact that God had saved me. And I remember I was so zealous for the Lord. I was so excited about where He brought me from and what He had done for me that, you know, I began to share with people that I would just meet in the street. I began to share with people in my workplace. I began to, to pick up people from the streets and, and take them places just so that I can share the gospel. See, God had given me just this evangelistic heart to go out and to, to share with anybody that I met. And see, and that was God's calling for me, right, during that time. And, and the only thing that I, you know, as a new believer, I was only preaching what, what I had heard, right, what, what God had done for me. And that's all we're required to do is to, to preach what we know, to teach what we know. God doesn't expect us to be theologians before we share the gospel. God is just asking us to, you know what, to go out and, and just to share what you know. To know that you've been saved. To know that God died for you. That God loved you so much that He was willing to pay His dear life for you. To suffer for you. And as soon as He saved me, He took me out of the pit of hell. And, and I'm changed. I'm transformed. I'm a new man. And, 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 and so we share these things with people, right? And, and that's all we're called to do. And as you learn more, then you can share more. And as He teaches you more, then you can begin to, to share with others more of what He's done. I want to share this with you. The second point that I want to talk about is the fact that God divinely sends you where He wants you to serve. See, as we see here, right, we see the fact that, that Jesus was going where, where, God, where His Father had sent Him. And, and the same thing happens to us. You know, I remember as I was going out and sharing with people, you know what, it was the Spirit of God that was... That was directing me where to go. And I remember as I was sharing with people, people were coming to the Lord. It's because I was sensitive to His Spirit's leading. And I was sensitive to what He was asking me to share. And so as I shared these things, people were coming to the Lord. And, and I remember as I was, I was doing this, right, I was just so amazed at how God would actually use me, right, as I would just, you know, go and, and listen. And, and as He took me to places where He wanted me to go, and, and, and people were... You know, we're coming to the Lord. And so I knew that, you know what, that, that God was doing a work in me, right? I knew that there was more that God wanted for me. And He wanted me to, He wanted to teach me how to serve Him in the church of God. See, I was just doing it outside of the church, right? But I remember as, as I left Calvary Chapel Montebello, he, he led me to Calvary Chapel Hacienda Heights. And, and as He led me there, right, this is where He called me now to, to serve the body of Christ. This is where he actually asked me, you know what, and, and he stirred up within my heart to, to serve there in that body. And so what I began to do, I started in the sound ministry. And so, you know, I began to, to serve in the sound ministry and I began to, to, to just do that work faithfully unto the Lord. And I remember as, as the Lord was, was working in me, you know, he was just doing various things through me and and, and, and just showing me and growing me in serving others in the body of Christ. I knew that, or I should say this, is that as He was just moving me from, 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 ministry, uh, from ministry to ministry, that, you know, the, the last ministry that I was in there when I left Hacienda Heights was the parking lot ministry before He called me here to plant this church. See, what was so amazing about this is that See, as He called me, 
to fill the gaps in the churches, right? He was directing me as to what I needed to do. And there were those choices that I made that, that were not of the Lord, that, you know, I was doing things that were, were not of God. They were probably, you know, for my personal glory or, or just because I, I felt that there was a need and, and I wasn't called to it. But, but I know one thing is that I grew through all of that, right, as I made my mistakes. And, and so we all will make mistakes. And so one thing to know is that as long as we continue to seek the Lord and desire to do what He's called us to do, then, then this is what brings pleasure to Him, right? And as I was talking about how God leads you, right? When God led me to here to this place, understand this, that there was a Calvary Chapel in La Puente many years back. And this Calvary Chapel La Puente was on Hacienda Boulevard and Maple Grove. And the pastor at the time was, was Pastor Gail Irwin. I don't know if any of you have heard of Gail Irwin. Anyone know or heard of Gail Irwin? Okay, there's some of you nodding your heads. He was a pastor there on Maple Grove and Hacienda Boulevard. But when he retired as pastor, the, his assistant pastor had no desire to continue that fellowship as a Calvary Chapel. And so there was a void here for many, many years without a Calvary Chapel. We had Raul Reese that was in West Covina, and then he moved it to Golden Springs. And then you also had Hacienda Heights that was there, and you had Cornerstone that was in Covina. But you didn't have a Calvary Chapel here in La Puente. And so it was God's leading that said, you know what, I have a group of people, I have this city where I want you to plant a church. And this is that divine calling that God has, right? Where He leads you, where He wants you, right? He leads you where, where He wants you to, to do His work. And the same is for all of you. Uh, you know, th- for those of you that have made Calvary Chapel La Puente, your home church, He's the one that brought you here. I'm not the one that went looking for you and, and told you to come into this church. Many of you came here willfully, right? Many of you came here as you had a desire. Some of you supernaturally as you drove by and saw the sign, Calvary Chapel La Puente, and you said, wow, there's a Calvary Chapel here. You know what? I want to go in there. You know, I want to check it out. I want to make sure that, that it falls in line with, with Pastor Chuck Smith, right? And, and how they teach and how they do things. And so you guys came here, right? And so now you've become a part of this church. And some of you are new to this church. And some of you have just started coming here. And know this, it is God that divinely calls you as you are a minister of Christ, right? Remember, as soon as you gave your heart to the Lord, you now become a servant of God and a servant of others. And as ministers, He leads you where He wants you. He leads you where He wants you to serve. He leads you where He knows that that He can use you for others. And so we have this work of God. And this is what God does, right? This is what we see here. And as he shares here in in the scriptures, he talks about the fact that that Jesus was the light, right? That, That came into the Galilee of the Gentiles. See, one thing that we must understand is that Jesus, in fact, as he said himself in John chapter 9, verse 5, that I am the light of the world. Remember this. You know what? For us as people, for us as, as people that are, that are now in the light, before you came in the light, understand that you were in darkness. See, and, 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 and what Jesus did is you allowed that, 
that, that you allowed His light to come and to shine in you and to take the darkness out. See, when we look at, at uh, chapter th- uh, verse 13 here, in chapter 4, it says that He left Nazareth. There was a reason why Jesus left Nazareth. And He wanted to bring the light into these other areas. Let's go ahead and see why he left, and you're going to see how it all comes together. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, it talks about when Jesus went to Nazareth. And in verse 16 it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this Joseph's son? You know, as we look at this, right? Understand one thing, that as Jesus spoke, when He came, He said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him, right? The Spirit of God. You know what, that we know that Jesus, that God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And one thing that we know is that He is saying that, you know what, that that when I came, I was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He He was called to to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Understand one thing when it comes to Jesus. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus frees us from the chains of sin. Jesus gives sight to the blind. And one thing about Jesus is that He liberates the oppressed. See, this is His ministry. This is what He's come to do. And there's many of us, and I'm one of them, that have, has experienced this, right? All of the believers, the true believers of Jesus Christ, understand this, have experienced exactly what I have, written, what I have read to you at this very moment. See, people experience freedom when they come to Christ. All of a sudden what happens to many of us is that we begin to have these scales come off of our eyes and we begin to see the truth of God. We see ourselves that we followed the lies. We believe the lies. And the Lord has given us the truth. And we have been set free by the truth. Many of us come before we come to Jesus. We have broken hearts. And this is what has brought us to Jesus, right? Because we hear people talking about Jesus. And our hearts have been broken by this world. And so what we do is we come to, to church and we, and we hear about Jesus. And Jesus is actually calling us. It's His Holy Spirit that is convicting us. And He's called us to come to Him. And when we hear Jesus, 
We hear His words of comfort. We hear His words of love. And we hear the fact that, 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 you know what, that He calls us to Himself and He wants to give us a new life. And these words of comfort just land upon us and when we accept them and when we receive them, this is the hearts that are healed. These are the chains that come off. This is the freedom that we experience. But I want, to, I want you to know this, that not everyone wants to hear this truth. Not everyone wants to receive it. People remain in darkness. And there are some people that hate the light. I want you to know that. People hate the light. We see it around us today, right? How many today hate Christianity and everything it represents and everything that it teaches? And what's so shocking about all of this is that there are religious people that hate the light. They have a self-righteousness within them that they think that they are so good, that they are so well. And this is what Jesus says to them. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not call, come to call the righteous, but, I call, but sinners to repentance. See, and as we think about this, this is really what Jesus does. This is what he says, right? He says that, you know what, the religious people, they say they are well. They don't need a healing. You know, for us that go to a doctor, we go to a doctor because we know we're sick, Right? How much more if we realize that we are sinners, we should be going to Jesus, we should be going to God. And as we think about this, I want you to know this, that look at the religious people, how they reacted to Jesus as, as we're looking at Luke chapter 4. Look at what it says, beginning in verse 28. It says there, So all those in, in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. That they might throw him down from the cliff. They passing through the midst, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. They were so upset that Jesus would say this. They wanted to kill Jesus in Nazareth. Can you believe this? And this is why it tells us here in Matthew chapter 4 verse 13 that this is when he left Nazareth. And so let's go into verse 17. It says there, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus went preaching, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to know one thing. When it comes to preaching, preaching is for the unsaved. Understand that. When you come to church on Sunday and on Thursday, you are taught the Word of God. I am teaching you. Teaching is for the saved. Some of you come in that are unsaved. But understand this. We teach you on Sunday as well as in midweek. And the reason we teach you is because we want you to learn. We want you to know the Word of God. We want you to learn the truth, to know the truth, to grow in the truth. Because the truth is what sets you free. And see, as we think about this, right? As we think about knowing and growing in Him, the more you know Him, understand this. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you will love Him. The more you will fall in love with Him. Because you begin to realize everything that He's done for you. You begin to see for yourself as you hear His words speaking to you. 
You begin to realize just the amount of love that He has for you. The mercies that are given to you daily. The grace that He pours out upon you on a daily basis. Understand about His Word. His Word is sweeter than honey. Know this. His words are greater than silver and gold. His words are words that save you. His words are words that free you. His words are words that will transform you. These are His words. I want you to always understand. It's not the pastor who saves you. I'm only a messenger. I'm only giving you the words of Christ. And understand, when it comes to the words of Christ, there is power in the words that He gives. And this is what we hear. And this is what draws us to the cross. This is what brings us to a place. And as Jesus was saying, right, He says, repent. Understand this about repent. What does repent mean? See, because in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you need to repent. There's no other way to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And if you want to enter that kingdom, you must repent. Repent means to acknowledge your sin, to confess your sin, and to turn from your sin. But when we look at the Greek word, it gives us a better definition of this. It is a word that is pronounced metinoeo. Metinoeo. I can't. I'm not a Greek linguistic, so I butchered it, but let me spell it for you. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. And you know what that word means? It means change. That's what the word means. It means change. See, what Jesus is preaching, He is preaching change. He wants to make sure that you understand that your life will be changed. It will be changed. There will be a change of purpose in your life. There will be a change of opinion in your life. There will be a change of, a, of direction in your life. There is an inner change of the heart that leads to an outer change. And that is us. And this is what happens when we repent. Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to change your purpose. He wants to change your direction. And He will make that inner and that outer change only if you repent. See, this is what Jesus was preaching. And this is what He's been doing for thousands of years. Ever since Adam and Eve. You know what? He's been teaching repentance because they sinned. And His message isn't new. It didn't just come when He came. That message was given prior to His arrival. He's been telling people to come to God. And as they come to Him, they will experience change. They will have a new beginning a new life in Him. Let us go to the next portion that I want to talk about, the ministers. You know what? As, as, as Jesus was calling His administration, the, the apostle, let's begin to read beginning in verse 18. It says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, 
James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and mending their nets, he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. We're seeing here four of the twelve apostles. Matthew is giving us, really, the insight on these four. And remember I shared with you how he's choosing his administration. I'm going to prove this to you as I read in Matthew 19, verse 28. Remember, Jesus is the king, and look at what the king says. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the, re- in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory in heaven above, you will have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So we have here, right, the choosing of His administration. And as we see this, right, we see that He mentions four. And I want you to understand this about the choosing of His apostles. This was not the first time that Jesus called these disciples. The first time that Jesus called them, and we're going to look here really at the account of Andrew and Peter. Look at what it says in John chapter 1 beginning in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. So this is John the Baptist. As Jesus is walking next, or walking by him, John the Baptist is saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And the, do, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak, which was Andrew, and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So what we have here, right? We have the calling of Jesus and then we have another calling here in, John, in Matthew chapter 18 through 21 or 22. So when I look at this, right, it spoke to me. And I want to share this with you because I believe that when we look at the calling of God upon our lives, there is a state of progression. There are two stages, and I want you to understand this. See, the original calling and then the second calling. See, we know that our first calling from Jesus is when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, right? When the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our need for Jesus. And John chapter 6 verse 44 tells us that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So you have a drawing of God the Father to him. And you have the Holy Spirit that is convicting you of your sin and your need for Jesus. And so this is what happened, right? When, when John the Baptist saw Jesus passing before him, he says, now there is the Lamb of God. There was already a working of the Holy Spirit. And Peter and Andrew, or, or I should say Andrew began, well, both, they began to follow Jesus, right? They began to, to follow Him. And so, you know, I believe that when we look at this, this is really what happens to us. 
You know, when Jesus calls us, right, we begin to follow Jesus. But there becomes a progression of commitment. I want you to understand this. There's a progression of commitment. Because, see, when I first came to know Jesus, I wasn't immediately, just completely, immediately, upon that day that I said yes to Him, completely committed to Jesus. You know what? I surrendered myself to Him, but there was still a working within me. And so what happens here is that Jesus, what happens is that He calls us to a greater level of commitment. And this is really stage two, which we, what we read here in Matthew Chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. This is where God calls us to full service and commitment. The first was a calling of God that we answered. And next is a, a God's calling to full service and commitment. See, He wants us to be just like Peter and Andrew. He wants us to be just like James and John. Where He's asking us to follow Him. And understand this. You see these men making a choice as to say yes to Him. See, what, this, what Jesus is asking you to do is to, is to now make Him the priority. The priority over your jobs. The priority over your family. See, you can't put these things before God. And I remember when I first came to know the Lord, right? I, I Immediately, I was still doing things that I shouldn't do at my job. I was still doing things that I shouldn't do at my home. But it was until, you know what, I had this other, this additional calling from God that was asking me to, to give Him a greater commitment. You know what, to, to make Him a priority. To make Him a priority over all things. And so, when it came to my job, I began to stand firm in Him. You know, when my coworkers were asking me to do certain things with them, that I said, you know what, I'm not going to participate with you anymore. You know what, when they were saying, you know what, maybe we should go out and party. Or you know what, there's this thing going on. Why don't we go? Or you know what, because I work with a lot of men. They were saying, hey, why don't we look at these things on the internet? And I was now saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. See, I answered the calling of God to a greater level of commitment to Him. And the same thing happens with our families. You know what, in the beginning, we, we're still, right, we're still there like, you know what, I don't want to offend my family. I don't want to hurt my family. I still participate in things with my family. And God is saying, you know what? You're not here to please them. You're here to please me. And in so doing, you will see great and mighty works that I will do through you. And you will be an example for them to draw them to me. I remember as I, as I see my sister here, that I remember my mother spending over two or three hours with me talking about why we both have left religion and come into Christianity. And she was in tears. And I told her, this is now a choice that I've made as well as my sister has made. See, God called us, right? And He told us that, you know what, that there is going to be division. But you've got to make a choice for me and just leave the rest to me. Understand that as you make me a, making me your priority, I will take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Because of your testimony, because of your commitment, you see people, family, members of, of, of your workplaces coming to the faith because of what you decided to do as you followed Jesus. 
See, James and John, they're the examples as they left their father and followed Jesus. See, they said, you know what? I'm leaving. You know what? I am, you know what? We have been called by God to work for God. And then there's also for some that are even going to have a greater level of commitment. And this commitment that I'm talking about is to, is to serve Him full time. What I mean by this, we are all serving Him full time, but what I mean in the ministry, in the church. You know, for me, as who would have known that 16 uh, or 18 years ago when I gave myself to Christ and, and when I went to work for my current job that I have been in for the past 16 years, that I would be saying goodbye to them next month. That I took early retirement. That I said, you know what? I'm leaving. And I'm going to serve God full time. I'm going to serve His people full time. And they were telling me, just wait a couple more years and you'll have a, a car for the rest of your life. And for those of you that don't know, it's a BMW. I work for BMW. And every single one of them, when I told them that, I said, you know what? It would not be appropriate, and I'm not bashing on any other pastor, but this is what God has convicted me of. It wouldn't be appropriate for me as a pastor that is working full-time for the Lord to be driving a BMW. And I told every single one of them, and they were like, wow. See, God has called me to a greater commitment. And I have answered this calling because, see, this is a calling that He has upon my life. And the same thing with all of you. I want you to understand this, is that all of you, whether you're at your job or whether you're, 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 you're going to continue at that job and serve the Lord, we still serve the Lord. And remember that. And you're to be an example for Him in your homes and in your jobs. Don't participate in sin. We've been set apart from that. We've been saved from sin. We've been saved from the pit of hell. So why do we join it? Why do we go to the, place that, the places that were destroying us? When we look at fishermen, because see, God has called us to be fishers of men. When you look at fishermen, and I believe that as Matthew has chosen the fishermen that, that we have here, I believe that it's to teach us. It's to teach us some of their qualities and characteristics. Because when God chooses people, he, we look at the qualities and characteristics of fishermen. And I believe these are the type of people that He chooses to serve Him as we're talking about the ministers. See, we may not all be fishermen, right, in the ocean, fishing and throwing nets down and, and, and trying to catch, you know, whatever fish it is. We're not all called to be fishermen, but I believe that the characteristics and the qualities that they have is exactly what He wants you to have. And this is what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you here five qualities. The first is, is that fishermen are busy people. Understand this. If you are lazy and all you ever want to do is stay home and watch TV and be a couch potato, understand this. God is not going to use you. God wants busy people. When you look at fishermen, fishermen are not afraid to work. They are constantly going out and catching fish. They are constantly preparing their boats. They're preparing their fishing rods. They're preparing their equipment to catch fish. They are busy people. 
Understand one thing about fishermen. They are also very patient, aren't they? They are there just waiting for the fish to bite. They are there waiting to catch fish. When you look at fishermen, fishermen are not quitters. I want you to understand that. Fishermen are persevere. They keep going. No matter if it gets tough, they will stick it out. And they will continue to be out there. See, that's what I love about fishermen. They're not quitters. When we look at fishermen too, we know that they are, they are people of courage. When you look at fishermen as people of courage, know this, that they're not afraid of the waters. They're not afraid of the stormy, of the storms that come, right? They're not afraid of the high winds and the turbulent waters. They'll go out there. They will be men and women of courage. And one thing about fishermen is they are people of faith. For them, fishermen, right? They believe that they will have a great catch that day. Without a doubt, they believe it. The same with us, right? I want you to know this. When we look at their characteristics, God wants us to be busy doing about His work. He wants us to be patient with people, right? As we share the gospel, as we love on people. He wants us to never quit because it's going to be hard. The ministry isn't easy. It gets hard. And when it gets hard, He doesn't call us to quit. Because we must understand that the rewards are great. And the rewards are eternal. And when, it, when He talks about courage, you and I must stand in the courage of God. When you are weak, He is strong. He's called us to be courageous. Not to be afraid. Not to be fearful. To know that, you know what, that He stands by us. And if God stands by us, then who can be against us? Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And for us, we are to be a people of faith. Believing in God. Believing in His truth. Believing that all the things that He tells us. See, God has called us to be fishers of men. And I want you to know how important this is because this is a great commission of all. What's so sad about Christians is that there are many that never even lead anyone to the faith. And this isn't what God wants for you. See, look at how many things He tells us about this, right? We are to be fishers of men. Look at what it says in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is a great commission. Look at what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me, a witness to him. And in, all, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, within us, we've been called to, tell, to, to share the good news so that people can reconcile themselves with God. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You are to proclaim these praises of him you've been called to be a fisher of men 
May this church grow into being an evangelistic church. We're not there yet. This is a vision that God has given me. He's given me two visions. I mean, He's given me a vision for this church to evangelize the lost, to disciple the saved, and to concentrate on the youth. Two of those things are happening. We are discipling people. We have lots of training that goes on. And there's going to be a discipleship class between first and second service that will begin soon. We, have this, we disciple the leaders. We disciple the people. I'm going to be discipling you for those of you that are serving and anyone that wants to participate in these things. We focus on the youth, the next generation, the young adults. That's who we focus on. That's who's taking over this church. Second service, they always tell me, man, there's a lot of youth in your church, young adults in our church. You have more young adults and youth in our second service than our first. This is what we do here. But the area that we lack in in this ministry right now is evangelism. And believe me, I'm praying for this, that the Lord would raise up evangelists to go out into these areas and to share the gospel in the city of La Puente. And so we pray for this. And this is, falls in line with what God has asked us to do. And look at what happens when you bring people to Christ. Not only are you rewarded with a crown, but look at what Jan- Daniel chapter 12 tells us. It says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firm- firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. When you turn people to Christ... You will shine like the star for Christ, like a star for Christ. Never forget that. And I'm going to finish with these last verses so we can finish verse chapter 4. I apologize, I kept you over a little bit. It says here in verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. The demonstration of his majesty, the king that we serve, was his healing power. And understand this, the Lord heals today. It wasn't just for back then. The Lord heals today. He's healed me. He heals all of us. And if you want this healing, and if you want deliverance, and if you want freedom, and if you want to see, and if you want God to heal your broken heart, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to give yourselves to Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads. Let us close our eyes. Lord, thank you for reminding us of the fact that we need to repent to enter the kingdom of God. Thank you for reminding us of your ministry, of how you heal, of how you give freedom, of how you give sight, of how you liberate. We know that you do this. I am a living testimony and many others that are in this church are living testimonies of the power that is within you. If there's anyone here that wants to receive freedom, healing, forgiveness, the power of God, you must say yes to Him. 
and you must mean it within your heart. You must believe it. If this is you, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. If there's anyone here that wants to do this, raise your hand now and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else wants this? Maybe you're a believer already. Maybe, you were a, you, maybe you've already said this prayer. Maybe your commitment to, to Christ hasn't, hasn't been where it needs to be. And, and the Lord is speaking to you now and saying, you know what? Completely surrender all of your heart to me. Don't keep me out of certain areas. If you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask now that you raise your hand. Anybody wanting to do this, raise your hand now. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? For those of you that raise your hand, what's so amazing about Christ is that is that He does this amazing work in us. And if this is your first time surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ. He has plans for you. He's going to do a work for you. And for those of you that are recommitting your life to Christ, I want you to know this, that He's well pleased with your decision. And everyone that raised their hand, I want you to repeat these words after me. First of all, if you raise your hand, stand up. Stand up so that Amen. Stand up. Stand up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of standing up. Jesus wasn't ashamed of you on that cross when he took the thorns, the scars, the piercings. And so repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you by faith. By choice. No one is forcing me. I willingly do it. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to enter into my life. To dwell within me. And to give me a new life. I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, empower me. Enable me to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. I give you all praise, glory, and honor. I love you, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If this is uh, your very first time in doing this, uh, we're going to have some uh, counselors here that are going to come out and they just want to pray with you. They just want to lead you into a prayer and, and to give you some materials, to give you a Bible, to give you some, some information. So if this is any of you, they'll be here on my right. At least I hope they're going to come forward. <laughs> if they don't, you could, you could see me after and we'll make sure someone prays for you. And so uh, God bless you all as, uh, as we close in a final song of worship.